This is a story from the land of Nod. Hi, my name is Annie and I create everything that you see and hear here at Land of Nod. If you would like to support the work that I do, please consider going to patreon.com forward slash land of Nod learning. Thank you. Yubadon, King of the Leprechauns. You may think you know a little something about leprechauns from stories about their green clothes and their gold and good fortune. But the real leprechauns were a race of tiny magical people who lived in a magical land called Foilin. Yubdon, king of the leprechauns, belched and pushed back his crown. That was a really fine dinner, he said. And now I'm in the mood to listen to a song, Eshert. He called to his bard. I want you to compose a song telling of the glories of my kingdom, the bravery of its people, the strength of its army. It's good now and again for us to realise just what a wonderful race we are, how no other race can compare with us in deeds of valour. Eshert groaned. It wasn't just now and again that the king demanded such entertainment, but every single night after dinner. Eshert felt that it was time he learned a few home truths. I'll sing no such song he said, because it's all a load of rubbish. What? The king jumped up. How dare you talk to me like that? I'm sorry, Obdon, but it's time you knew we are not the greatest race in the world and that if our army set out across the ocean, they would come to a land of giants. One of those giants would wipe out our entire army by just raising a hand. He'd swat them like so many flies. Yubdon laughed. A likely story, he said. It's true. And where do those giants live? Asked the king, scornfully. In a country called Ireland. I don't believe you. You're making it up. I am not. Yubdon thought for some moments. Well, then you better go there and bring me back proof of their existence or I'll have your head chopped off for your outrageous lies. No problem, said Eshert. And I can tell you my head is quite secure, thank you. Eshert set out on his journey in a boat no bigger than a matchbox. It was only when he was out on the waves that he began to realise how huge everything was in the world outside Foylin. If it wasn't for the magic properties of the boat, he would never have survived the journey, as waves rose all about him, waves that were higher than the highest mountain back home. Eventually, he landed on the northern coast of Ireland, and as he chanted a spell, the boat was turned into a little horse, with dozens of jingling bells festooning its harness. It was the music of these bells that alerted the guard at the palace of King Fergus MacLeoda. He came out of his sentry box to see where the music was coming from, and looked up and looked down everywhere, until he finally saw the tiny creatures at his feet. He knelt down and saw that the horse was a noble-looking little animal, and his rider was beautifully dressed and bore himself proudly. Well, what have we got here? the guard asked. Stand back, please, Eshert demanded. Or your great gale of breath will blow both me and my horse back into the ocean. Go and tell King Fergus that Eshert, Bard King Yubdon of Whelan, is here to see him. So haughtily did he speak that the guard ran to do as he was told. When the sentry delivered his message, King Fergus stared at him in disgust. Have you been drinking? he said. Please, your majesty, just come outside and you'll see what I tell you is true. 
So the king and the whole court followed the guard out to where Eshert was waiting. They all gathered around, astonished. Ah, would you look at the cute little fellow, said one of the ladies. How dare you, said Eshert, highly insulted. Stop back, all of you. I didn't realise how enormous you Irish really are. Which of you is the king? I am, said Fergus, amused at the creature's bravery. Oh, said Eshert, staring up at him and pointing. Is that the mark of an Irish king I see on your neck then? He asked. Fergus blushed and put his hand up to cover the unhealed, ugly-looking wound on his neck that he had received in a battle with a dragon. This wound was something that he was ashamed of and tried to hide it by wearing special high collars. Wherever you come from, you were never taught manners. Have you never heard it is implied to be past remarkable? I could have you put in the dungeons for less, but you're in luck. I'm in a good mood and I admire your spirit, so I'm inviting you into my palace. Eshert felt a sudden chill. These were huge creatures indeed. Then he saw the king's seven-year-old nephew. Although he was very tall, he was not as bad as the others. Mm, I'll go with him, he said, pointing. I'll let him take me inside. You, said King Fergus, get down and help the little man. The boy knelt down and extended his hand, palm upwards, towards Eshert who hopped up and was carried inside, standing erect and proud in the middle of the little boy's hand. Eshert spent ten days in Fergus's kingdom and was fussed over and petted by everyone there. The king's carpenter even made him a tiny bed and special table and chair, which were put on top of the king's table at mealtimes. But Eshert knew that he had to return to Fuilin because Yobodon would be waiting there for him. Besides, he was starting to feel homesick. He went to Fergus to tell him of his decision. And can I bring your nephew with me as proof to Yobodon that giants like you really do exist? As long as you bring him back to me in one piece. You have my word of honour on that, Eshard replied. When the people of Fuilin saw Eshard walking up the roads towards Lobodon's castle, with the boy beside him, they ran away in fear and barricaded themselves into their homes. Never had they seen such a giant as Hugh. The seven-year-old child, who in Ireland was not even considered to be tall for his age. Yubdon's army wanted to flee too, but being brave they stood guarding the way into the palace, standing shoulder to shoulder, raising their spears that were not the size of Hugh's little finger. Call Yubdon out then, if you won't let us in, Eshard said. Tell him I've brought the proof that he wanted. When the king came out he stamped his little foot and burst into tears. Why do you bring such a giant to Fuelin? he demanded. Are you trying to frighten me to death? You are a hopeless bard anyway, and I haven't missed you one bit since you went away. In fact, I'm thinking of having you replaced. Get out of my sight, you and that monster! Of course, Yubadon only said this because he felt he had been humiliated in front of all of his people. Eshert was so annoyed by this uncalled for attack that he immediately challenged Yubadon. I put you under a spell, he said. You are to go to Ireland, you and Queen Bave, and eat King Fergus's porridge. And you can take this giant, as you call him, back with you, for the king will be worried about his little nephew. This is a seven-year-old child. I'll pull the other one said Yubdon rudely. 
If this is a child, then I am a mouse. But when they were approaching the coast of Ireland, the king and queen began to tremble with fear. They could see huge creatures, three or four times the size of Hugh, walking on the shore. And there were farmers in the fields making hay into sacks that were bigger than the biggest mountains in Fuelin. Please, Yobadon said to Hugh, take us to the giant's porridge and then we can go home. Everything is just too gigantic in this country. I can't cope with it at all. I want to go home now, Queen Bave wailed. If I don't, I think I'll have a nervous breakdown. Hugh took up Yobdon in one hand and Bave in the other and hurried up to his uncle's palace. Because he could tell how scared the little creatures were, he took them straight into the kitchen where he knew that Fergus's breakfast tray would be waiting. The bowl of porridge stood steaming with a silver spoon already sitting in it. There you are, said Hugh, setting the royal couple down at the table. The porridge is poured out ready for my uncle's breakfast. All you need to do is taste a bit of it and you will break the spell and you can be back in Fuelin by this evening. Yubdon swallowed. The bowl was the size of the biggest cauldron in the whole of Fuelin. Right, he said bravely. Give me a leg up then. He clambered up into the edge of the bowl with Hugh's help. But the surface was slippery and he found himself sliding down into the porridge. Ouch, he said. I've burnt. My bottom is on fire. Hugh looked around, grabbed the cream jug and began to pour it in on top of Yubadon. Now you're drowning me. What sort of uncivilized creatures inhabit this country? At this point, Fergus came rushing into the kitchen. Nephew, he cried, putting his arms around Hugh. I heard your voice. You are home. What about me? What about me? came a voice from the porridge bowl. Don't kings in Ireland have any responsibility for visitors to their country? Get me out of here before I drown! Bave, meanwhile, stood on the table unnoticed. She was weeping and trembling and sure that her husband was done for. If he ever escaped from that cauldron, he would surely be held captive by the king of the giants. Gathering all her courage, she slid down the leg of the table, ran out of the palace and down to the beach as quickly as her tiny legs would allow her and set out for Fuelin to tell Yobdon's subjects what had become of their king. Now, though the inhabitants of Fuelin were small, they had a great sense of their own dignity and great loyalty to their king. When they heard Babe's story, they decided at once that they would go to Ireland and rescue him. We need every able-bodied man, Babe said. You cannot imagine how big these Irish giants are. But remember, Escher answered her, though they are big, we have great powers of magic and we will bring our druids with us and rescue the king by cleverness rather than by brute strength. Back in Ireland, Yubdon was the cause of much amusement and nobody wanted him to go home. He was so self-important, puffing himself up to his tallest and demanding to be treated as a king. I am a king, a proper king, he would squeak, while everyone in the court fell around laughing. Would you like me to have a special crown made for you? Fergus asked. Seeing as you seem to have left yours at home. Yubdon nodded, sulkily, not too sure whether he was being made fun of. But Fergus had a beautiful golden crown made for him, with chips of real emeralds and rubies set into it. The royal tailor made him a wolfskin coat, warm and elegant and fit for a king. Yubdon was mollified, but still wanted to go home. I have my kingdom to rule over. 
he said. My subjects need me and you cannot keep me here against my will. It is kidnapping. One day the sentry on guard came running up to the king. There is an invasion coming up towards the palace, he said. Thousands and thousands of little creatures just like Yubdon are marching along, chanting and shaking their fists in the air. They look very fierce and angry altogether. And then the sentry burst out laughing. The army of little people approached the palace chanting, Give us back our king! Give us back our king! When Fergus came out, Eshard stepped forward and said, It is all my fault that the king is a prisoner here. Give him back to us now, Fergus, or we will use our magic against you. Fergus was annoyed by this. I will not give in to threats, he said. I remember your bad manners, Eshard. How past remarkable you are, and I'm not one bit afraid of what you can do. The next morning, every cow in Ireland was dry and there was not a drop of milk to be had. The leprechauns had worked their magic indeed. Yubdon was delighted. Now you see what they can do. Now let me go. Fergus shook his head. I will not be bullied, and certainly not by little creatures like you. The next day, the water in every well and lake and river in Ireland had been turned green and smelled horribly of rotten eggs. Fergus raised his chin in determination and ordered everyone to put out buckets and jugs to collect any rain that might fall. The following morning, people were woken up by the sounds of donkeys braying and sheep bleating and cows mooing. When they went outside to see what was wrong, they discovered that every blade of grass in every field had been turned into black slime. Fergus called his nobles to the palace and told them that he was sticking firm no matter what magic was used against them. Yubdon could see that Fergus would not relent. I can get us all out of this mess, he told the king. If you'll just let me send a letter to Eshert. Fergus agreed to this. And Yubdon wrote a letter telling Eshert that Fergus MacLeader was too noble a king to be frightened into something. What Eshert should do was try to be nice to him. Offer him something in exchange for his prisoner. Why not try bribery? Eshert came to Fergus and offered to share some magic with him. So, what can you offer me? Fergus said. Um, a spear that will be the equal of a hundred in battle. Keep it, Fergus said. A harp that plays the sweetest music, that there is no harpist there to pluck the string. I like to see the harpist's face. That gives me as much pleasure as the music. Mm, a knife that cuts without being held. For goodness sake, do you think that I'm a baby that needs entertaining? A pair of shoes that will fit any feet and will allow the wearer to walk on water the same as if he were on dry land. Fergus showed some interest for the first time. Have you really got shoes like that? He asked. We certainly have. Then give them to me and you can take Yubdon home with you. The shoes were brought to Fergus, an ordinary looking pair of brown brogues. They fitted him perfectly and he tried them out on the lake near his palace. Wow, said Fergus as he glided over the water. These really do work. Yubdon is free to go. And after a great banquet held in their honour, the band of little people sailed away from the land of the giants, glad to be returning to Fuilin, where everything, including the people, was of a normal, tiny size. The End <laughs>